0: of your hosts jessica kate and i have to say up front this episode is completely different to what we normally do in mcleods usually we're a podcast going episode by episode through the beloved aussie tv drama mcleod's daughters and my co-host rachel is an american we focus a lot on the aussie american cultural differences what it's like for you know americans watching this aussie tv show for the first time and i know many of you lovely listeners are americans and so today, we're doing a bonus episode that follows that kind of theme. We are super excited to have an author interview today. Well, with two voices that you won't be used to hearing, actually. Um, first off, I'll introduce my co-host and uh, friend and lovely, talented rom-com author, Bethany Turner, who's the author of Hadley Beckett's Next Dish, the highly anticipated plot twist, which I can't wait to read. It's like later on this month going to be awesome Bethany and I do fun author interviews together just every now and then when we feel like it really when we find someone who we think is going to be really interesting to interview
1: right <laughs>
0: <laughs> and we have so much fun doing it
1: <laughs> we do we do and I'm so excited to get to chat with you Well, like Seriously, anytime I get to chat with you, Jess, is always a delight. And I'm especially <laughs> excited for the chat we get to have here today.
0: Yes, because we're very excited. Today we are joined by Stephanie London, who is an Australian who's now living in North America, who writes Aussie-American contemporary romance, rom-com. And we just thought, you know, the McLeod's audience, you guys, you love Australia, you love romance. This is a kind of author interview that could be really interesting for you guys. So... Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for chatting to
2: us today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Um, well, would you like to intro yourself to us a little bit? Um, I mean, you're a USA Today bestselling author. You've got a new book coming out that looks really exciting. Do you
2: want to give us the, the quick little blurb? Sure. So I'm Stephanie London. Um, I'm originally from Melbourne, Australia, and I have been living in Toronto for the last six and a half years so I have uh been well versed in the like differences of the English language between two countries (laughs) so and I as as the lady said I'm a romance author a romantic comedy author I have I think I'm up to 30 something books I kind of lose count after a while Wow! and um this is my dream (laughs) job I love it so much
0: (laughs) that is awesome and Bethany and I as Authors are like 30. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well I know.
1: <laughs> <It's> a <lot. laughs> That's a lot of books. Well, it's, Stephanie, I was looking on your website at, at your coming soon. Your coming soon, I think, is more books than I have written. <laughs> it's amazing. I just I yeah, I have lots of questions. I don't want to um hug the conversation right away. So, I'll, you know, we'll get to it, but I'm just like, how? how do you do it? I want to know all the things. So I look forward to chatting about things like that. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, a bit of a workaholic, I must admit. Maybe not my best quality, but that's me being real for a second. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that puts many, many great books out there for your readers. So it does. maybe not your best quality. Who knows? Depends on who you <laughs> ask, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now there's lots we want to chat about today. I mean, we want to hear all about this whole U.S. Aussie um, differences and what it's like writing romance across the two different continents. We also here have a strong focus on nerding out. Um, If you have followed me personally on social media for a long time, you know I used to run a podcast called Story Nerds where we just celebrate nerding out over all things fiction. So Stephanie, I'm definitely going to want to hear about some of the things that make you nerd out. Um, But first, how about you tell us about your new book that's coming out, Forever Starts Now. Did I get that right? I read like 10 chapters of it yesterday.
2: (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yes, it is Forever Starts Now. And it is, I guess, if this is sort of like a look at the Aussie and American crossover, this book is probably like the perfect one to look at. Mm -hmm. It's an Australian hero who finds out that he has, um, his birth father is not the man that he thought it was. And that man is actually an American. And so he's in America trying to hunt down Uh, the identity of his father and he comes across a lovely American woman who runs a diner and she's prickly because prickly heroines are my jam and shenanigans ensue and I think the the most interesting thing about him is that um, he looks exactly like Chris Hemsworth which (laughs) on the surface doesn't sound that different from a lot of romance novels out there but I decided to take it one step further by making Chris Hemsworth his like actual literal doppelganger to the point that people stop him in the street and ask for an autograph. And then at one point, I don't know if you're up to that bit, but I put him in a Thor costume because why
0: not? <laughs>
2: I haven't in <laughs> that part
0: yet, but now I'm looking forward to it. That's yeah, awesome. it's a good fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I really enjoyed that. How, you know, obviously so many people are making the comparisons, but you made it a part of the story and it's, you know, it's what's driving him into often hide out the back of your heroine's diner and stuff because these people are driving him crazy. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it, it was such a, I get inspiration from like the weirdest places for my books. And I stumbled across this random documentary on YouTube called Twin Strangers that was about actual strangers who look so similar that there was like a study done and they do like facial imaging and to determine how um, like similar these people are. And so when my editor was like, oh, i would like a Thor type hero, it was like, ah, oh, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to give you actual Thor, but not quite. <laughs> that is hilarious
0: now be honest Bethany now that you've heard the words uh U.S. Aussie romance and Chris Hemsworth
1: doppelganger what's that doing for you (laughs) I honestly I'm like I zoned out I started reading I wasn't listening to you guys once I heard that I just stuck (laughs) now no it's well I think I think Jess I've heard you talk before about how um when you write Aussie heroes which first of all you all say it and it sounds cool like Aussie and I say it and I'm like Aussie and so I sound stupid but anyway uh, <laughs> being the American in the group there we go um but you know how there is it's like that's that is the standard of perfection when we think of Australian men and, you know, so it's, I think we do kind of go there in our minds a little bit and that's not <laughs> a bad thing. That's a great thing. So yeah, Stephanie, I just love that. I love that you're just like, okay, we're going all in on this, on this. Yeah, I'm so leaning fun. into it. <laughs> <laughs> so fun.
0: Uh, it's super fun. I was laughing. I was having a conversation recently with a group of American writer friends and one of them made an off-handed comment about how. American women all find Aussie men more attractive and that Aussie men on average are better looking than American men. And I like started rolling on the ground laughing.
2: (laughs) That's interesting. I definitely. Yeah.
0: Hmm. I laughed so hard because it wasn't even, she wasn't even saying that as a point, that was just like an offhanded assumed knowledge thing that she mentioned, like in service to the thing she was actually talking about. And I was like, whoa 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 (laughs) let me clarify something here for you (laughs) the hemsworths are not average in australia
1: sadly no (laughs) don't don't ruin it for us girls come on let us keep believing that every australian man is a hemsworth it's fine we don't need to know otherwise
0: It was so funny, but also her comment about the Australian accent because over here, Australian women often find the American men's accents pretty attractive, especially if it's a southern accent Mm Aussie women are absolute suckers for a southern accent. And if an American man, like, comes over here, he gets a lot of attention. And it's so funny when you talk to people on the other side and they have the same reaction to the people here. And I'm like, you know... (laughs) it's just it's just hilarious so stephanie as someone who has lived on both sides of this and writes in this area what kind of um assumptions are people making what like interesting things have you stumbled into that you didn't realize people thought and um i mean and how are you making the best
2: use of it for your romances You know, that's, it's funny. I think that when we moved over here, I didn't realise that people liked the Australian accent so much. I mean, I had travelled internationally before, Mm -hmm. but they really like it. And I'm like, we all sound like Kath and Kim to me. I don't know know. if everyone else is going to get that reference, but it's just, yeah, it's so funny. We come over here, people just will like, if my husband and I go out, I mean, not that we're going out at the moment, let's be real, but in normal times when we go out, people just ask us, like, they just keep us talking because they just want to listen to the accent. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's funny. But I find other accents. Like I particularly find British men. I love a British yes. accent. Oh, I love Jason yes. Statham. So, like, that, like, dirty Might British accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So, but then you talk to British people and they're like, you know, we don't sound good. <laughs> so, I guess it just everyone hates their own accent, maybe.
0: <laughs> I think so. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's completely they, true. Are, oh, sorry? They are all seem to think that we're like really beachy people and so on the you guys won't be able to see me on the podcast but I am like very pale very very (laughs) like vampirically pale and so I have to like dispel that rumor of like I love the beach from a distance with like lots of 30 plus sunscreen (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, yes yes Um, it's so funny I've been to America a number of times and yeah I have to say especially the first few times I was shocked I I knew Americans had a vague fondness for Australia but I was surprised when I got over there the level of intensity of the (laughs) of the appreciation that I mean it's It's great it gets me conversations with lots of people I'm known as a chatterbox in my family and people are normally telling me to talk less over there like you said they're like I could just listen to you all day just (laughs) keep talking and I'm like this is heaven
2: Yeah, it's it's a, like a built in conversation starter. So like I'm also quite an introvert. So that just like like creases the path into any conversation, just having a bit of an accent over here. So like I 100% use that to my advantage anytime I talk to people.
0: <laughs> so, Bethany, I feel like I need to know now from the American point of view, is it surprising to you to find out that Australians love American or especially American Southern accents?
1: It really is. I mean, once you said Southern, it's like, okay, that makes a little more sense to me. But when you were saying American, I'm like, what? We don't have an accent, you know? And that's how I That's the other thing.
0: (laughs) The fact that Americans say that blows my mind.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that a few times. (laughs) Yeah, we just feel like, you know, I mean, we're just just talking normal. Not normal, (laughs) you know? But it's like, in my mind, we have nothing sticking out special about our dialects at all but then once you said southern i'm like okay because i think even as americans there's something about a good southern accent on a man you know and um so i can i can see that but yeah i had no idea that anybody cared about american accents i'm like oh really (laughs) interesting (laughs) how boring (laughs) we are
0: it's so funny that Americans think they don't have an accent because I mean when you think about it everybody on the planet has an accent there is no international Mm. definition of nothing you know but Americans have assumed that it's them so which is very American (laughs) (laughs) sorry guys but it's true
2: And it's almost well, a shame I, I, because there's so much variance in American accents. Yes. Like you can literally travel around the whole country and hear all these different sounds. And it's lovely. Yes.
1: Yes. And, and I, I, do, I do agree with that. I just but like, <laughs> okay, I'm in Colorado. Tell me what a Colorado accent is. No one could tell you, you know, it's, it's, so it's just, I mean, if you can, I'm open to hearing it, but I'm like, you know, but I grew up in Kentucky. Okay. Kentucky, we have the South and all of that and so so yeah it is just there are so many variances here within the country like you were saying and and so yeah so it's not like I feel like we're the norm I just feel like we're boring is truthfully what it is I feel like I don't feel like it's an ego trip I feel like it's quite the opposite of like yeah we don't have anything special I want to listen to you talk
0: (laughs) (laughs) um, and I mean that's one thing about Australia too I mean I think I read Stephanie that you are from Victoria Melbourne um, area I grew up four hours north of Melbourne but are currently in Queensland but there's not a great variance usually of accents across Australia you know we don't sound really really different from each other so
2: no I think sometimes if someone I I feel like Queenslanders sound like particularly Australian compared to some other native
0: Queenslanders
2: they sound like like they. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's true people from like I can almost spot a Queenslander. If, yeah. if I come across someone here, I'm like, oh, I can hear that a little bit. but yeah. everywhere else, especially Melbourne and Sydney because it's so multicultural. I mean neither of my parents are from Australia. so my accent is probably not even as like typically Australian as like some other people. So yeah, it, we don't have that like I mean if you go into New York, they have like a different accent than if you're in Boston than if you're anywhere else. We don't really have that in Australia.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah interesting
0: and speaking of the place that the small town where a lot of your characters come from in Australia Patterson's Bluff you've said it um it's either on or near the Mornington Peninsula if I'm remembering that right which is roughly two hours from Melbourne it's actually where my boyfriend is from uh, but I haven't visited there yet oh. because of COVID <laughs> but I wanted to ask you about that and uh what made you pick that area. Is it personal experience? Is it a real place? Um, Tell us a bit about it.
2: So Patterson's Bluff is a fictional place and it is, you're right, it is set on the Mornington Peninsula, kind of between, for anyone that knows, the area between Sorrento and Rye, like Mm -hmm. around that kind of area. And it's because that's where I used to do summers as a kid. We had um, someone in our family had like a holiday house there and we would go. Sorrento is just I think one of the most beautiful places on the coast. It's just really naturally spectacular. It's got a lovely vibe. So I I wanted to create that, but I'm also not the kind of person who likes to be hamstrung by things like real details. So I made my own town up so I could put whatever I wanted in there. (laughs) I know those pesky real details get you Mm -mm. with your plot. So yeah, it is a fictional place, but it's definitely based um, on those towns that have become increasingly touristy over the years. Mm
0: and i like that it represents an australia which isn't typically shown in media i mean mcleod's daughters you've got that country stereotype that came from steve Irwin. it came from crocodile dundee it's actually not where a good 85 percent of the country lives
2: (laughs) yep that's so true
0: (laughs) (laughs) um so what does it mean for you representing that um you know that southern victoria coastline i mean i went to the great ocean road for the first time two years ago and was surprised as someone who's seen a decent chunk of my country I was like, this is different to the rest of the country. Um, And it's spectacular. It's a kind of like rugged, rough, wild nature, beautiful scenery that is very different to other spots. Um, So what did it mean for you to be able to write that into your fiction and and show that to an American audience too?
2: You know, I think it's something that kind of, it happened so organically, I didn't realise the impact of it until almost like later on. Because that's the area that I that's the kind of beach that I know is that part of the world, and then you actually really want to swim at, (laughs) uh, no, not really. And it's a lot of it's actually the beaches there can be very dangerous. The back Mm. beach in Sorrento is really rough, but that's where they have a lot of like surfing championships, so great waves, Mm. but like Mm. not always the easiest beach. And I love that sort of rugged beauty that it has, I think. In a, in a way, it kind of represents the type of stories that I like to write, which is about people who are maybe a little rough around the edges or haven't quite figured things out. I, I like the symmetry of that. And I also like that it's not, it is not the typical Australian experience. It's not people in the outback. It's not you know sheep shearing stations that's not even tropical australia which i think does get a bit of play in like the Sundays and things like that mm-hmm. i wanted to do the australia that i had experience with so and i love that coastline so much it's really beautiful mm-hmm. it is
0: now bethany i want to find out are there what is your knowledge as an american who only gets you know sort of australia via Movies and TV. Much the way Aussies only really learn about America through Hollywood things. And then sometimes we get over there and we're like, "Oh, this is different to what I thought." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what areas of Australia do you feel like you have like question marks around, or might intrigue you to see a book or a movie or something mm. set there?
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, to be perfectly honest, it all intrigues me. For the things you were just saying, it's it's like, yeah, I hate to play into the stereotype, but very much, you know, the first thing I ever saw about Australia at all was Crocodile Dundee. Mm, that's uh, a great movie. So, I love you know. that movie. <laughs> it is. It's, it's fun. And, but, you know, I think I, I don't remember ever seeing anything before that, you know, I, and of course I was relatively young then. Um, so I hadn't seen anything, but um, you know, I, so really as it, as it goes on, it's, it's, it plays into that stereotype that I do have in my mind like it or not. So I love, um, every bit of it. You know, there are things, um, whenever like you all talking about how that, you know, some of the more rugged is actually not where most of the people live. It's, I mean, I sound ignorant here, but I'm just being honest. I'm like, Oh really? Tell me more about that. Because there is an assumption that I'm afraid to confess, but it's true. Um, but you know, of course, there's. This is also. I'm like, wow, so proud of my my geographical knowledge here. But probably the next was my kids grew up loving the Wiggles, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes, I actually feel like I got more exposure to Australia from the Wiggles probably than anything else. <laughs> because
2: that's awesome. It's <laughs> an amazing point of reference. I love it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like I, you know, it was amazing. And it's like, okay, so they would show the Sydney Opera House, but they'd also show the more, you know, Outback type thing. So, um, but honestly, it's completely mind like Jess on your social media, when you share a picture of a kangaroo. that's mind blowing to Americans. I I honestly, it's like, Oh, were you at the zoo? I mean, seriously, it's like, I can't even comprehend that you drive down a road and there's kangaroos. So (laughs) I I don't know what it is. There's this, it's a mystique is the only way and in a, in a wonderful way. But so everything I'm just listening to you guys, like until you called on me to talk there, I kind of forgot I was actually involved in this thing. I'm just (laughs) listening and loving every moment of this.
0: Uh, all of it bring it all on (laughs) (laughs) so stephanie i want to hear on the flip side as someone who grew up in australia what parts of north america to you held that mystique and which areas have you chosen to predominantly write in and maybe maybe visit to do some
2: research and what was that like for you It was, I'm going to be a complete cliche and say New York, because I think (laughs) that's like the one city that is so prominent in movies and in TV shows. And like, I grew up in the Sex in the City era. Like, that to me was a place that I was kind of endlessly fascinated with. And funnily enough, it's actually not my favorite city in the US out of all the ones that we've been to. I think the reality of New York and the size and the sheer amount of people, I actually found it kind of terrifying
1: Mm -hmm. when I went
2: there. And so I really fell in love. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's a lot of city. And... (laughs) And I, I love Boston. I think Boston is a really amazing place. I love their accents. I could listen to Bostonians talk all day, but I just found that to be really beautiful and kind of quirky and fun city. But I have set quite a few of my books in New York. I think the sheer size, a number of people there can allow you to do some cool things with plots that maybe wouldn't feel quite as realistic if they were set in Australia or somewhere else.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: That's pretty awesome. Um,
0: and now this is a very important question How are you coping with North American coffee,
2: (laughs) Paulie? I'm from Melbourne. I'm from Melbourne, and we are possibly the worst coffee snobs in the whole world. And Starbucks makes me sad, but it's all I have access to. (laughs) I was yeah. Sorry, American friends. (laughs) I've
0: written this into my work in progress at the moment. My uh, my hero is Australian. He's living in America he's um he's from Melbourne and which uh, it's something a lot of Americans don't know about because I was sending chapters to a critique partner and she's like why are you making these comments about coffee he's saying he loves he's saying he's addicted to Australian coffee what's the difference I'm like oh oh dear this is something that Australians know about but I feel like it's not actually been broadcast that well Australia has one of the strongest coffee cultures in the whole world. Um, it's recognized as some of the best coffee anywhere because we've had such. I think. A, I think it's a multicultural melting pot, and especially Melbourne is very cultural, very food, art, sports, um, and. So uh, I don't drink coffee, so I can't speak from personal experience. But I've heard testimony from many, many Australians that um, whatever it is Americans are doing to their coffee, <laughs> I think it's like a filtering process or something.
2: Apparently, it doesn't stand up. <laughs> It's extremely different. I mean, I'd never had filtered coffee until I came to America because it's just not a thing unless you go to McDonald's, but, like, nobody gets the coffee from McDonald's no, in Australia. No, nobody so does in Australia. Like, <laughs> I was at really? brunch and I was like, no, it's not a thing there. That's That would
0: it would be so sad Nope, if you do that. My sister lives we in a tiny set, town. McDonald's
1: and said- is, like, pretty good coffee <laughs> by our standards. I'm like, it's not bad for a cheap cup of coffee. I you might say <laughs>
2: i think it's just the fact that like filtered coffee just as a concept is not really like because of the immigration that we had from italy in particular and my dad is italian so i feel very strongly about espresso we have had so much of that type of coffee i think you you, and you can't really compare the two they just taste completely different so it's maybe not even that one is better than the other it's just that like I'm not used to filtered coffee and the first time I went for to brunch here in Toronto the lady asked me oh would you like a coffee and I said oh yes please and then she walked off and I'm like but she doesn't even know what type I want and then she came back with a jug and I was so confused and there were these little like pods of milk stuff on the table and I was like I don't know what is happening but it's right not now. actual milk is it that weirds me out too it's what well, I was like how is it it's not in the fridge I'm so confused I I just I I drank it and I was just like no I wish not to partake in this part of the culture thank you very much a little dramatic but not really that far off from reality my husband would uh, tell you
0: I mean when you look at the Australian national values it's like courage mateship good coffee
2: (laughs) yes totally it's not not a word of a lie (laughs)
1: Wow, I'm learning so many new things.
2: (laughs) If you come to Australia, it'll blow your mind.
1: (laughs) I I, I can't even imagine.
0: That's it. Tourism Australia should sponsor us here. We're doing good work. Yep. (laughs) Uh, um, so to shift our conversation back over the direction of romance at the moment, um, I wanted to find out, I noticed that a lot of your books, even just from reading, I mean, having read parts of a couple of them, but also looking at the titles of your whole list, I can see a really strong theme that you have, Stephanie, of writing really popular romance tropes. And that's a kind of mm. way of writing romance that I love, that I try and do because I'm such a sucker for my favourite tropes. I mean, we've been having debates online lately about movies like Leap Year and Chasing Liberty, which are not, I will say, well-written. Yet, they have some great tropes in them, particularly Leap Year, I think. You've got your enemies to lovers. You've got, oh no, there's only one bed. You've got force. you've got fake relationship and a kiss from the fake relationship. Like, people love that movie, even though large chunks of it are pretty badly written. And I think it speaks to the how much people ferociously love their favorite tropes. So I want to find out what your take is on tropes, what some of your favorite tropes are and how you pick which ones you want to write about.
2: I love tropes. I think tropes are like the spice of the romance world. I think that they're so good and I will never apologize for being a very tropey kind of writer. And I think in the beginning, I felt like that I couldn't do that as much because then that was maybe like taking the easy way out of things. And I learned that actually that's what people come to the genre for. It's almost like the language with which we communicate with readers about what our stories are about. And I recently took a workshop on universal fantasies that was looking at like why people are attracted to these types of things and how it sort of relates to almost like base instincts as humans. It was fascinating, and then I was like, "Okay, I'm going to continue to fly my trope flag as hard and as brightly as I possibly can." And I am a sucker for anything opposites attract or fake relationship. They are my absolute favorites.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad. Just the tension,
2: (laughs) the tension. I love it so much.
0: (laughs) This explains why uh, why I got the email about possibly interviewing you. And I read the little thing about who this author is, and I was like. This is my jam. I have to talk to this person. <laughs>
2: because we love all oh, the same I'm so glad trips. to hear that. <laughs> yes. Fake yes. relationship is just like something that would probably just never, ever happen in real life. And readers know that it's maybe not the most realistic thing. But the idea of two people being jammed together, having to like be hot for each other, but like not get too invested, but then they have to pretend to be hot to each other. I don't know. I love that. It's, it's just so good. It's just mm-hmm.
0: good. And I mean, and that is the main trope of, the book that we're talking about forever starts now. It is a fake relationship story.
2: It is. And I and I was wondering, like, oh, my God, am I going to write another one of these? Am I doing this too much? And I think the thing is, like, every no, time I create a much. book, the characters feel so real to me. No, there's not. And when <laughs> I think when you're a very character-driven writer, it feels different because the people are different every single time and the reasons are different. And also I just wanted to write it, so I justified it. <laughs> that's a great reason well,
1: and I think you know you commented on how um it could be perceived as taking the easy way out although like you said it's not I think it's actually um it's a very challenging thing to do popular tropes um in a way that keeps readers coming back because you do have there's so you have to do something fresh you have to do something different and so, um, yeah, it's it's tropes are to me, they're just a great um, they're a great starting point. But mm-hmm. like you were saying, it, it's all about the journey of those particular characters. And and it's almost a, a challenge then of um, a fun challenge of, OK, how can I do the same trope in a completely different way?
2: Yeah, it's so true. And even taking some of the tropes, which perhaps have not aged very well in current times and trying to make Mm -hmm. them feel more modern so i wrote an arranged marriage book which has got to be like one of the most old school tropes in the book because i was like i just want to see if i can if i can make this feel like a current day romantic comedy and it was like one of the most fun books that i've ever written it's how to lose a fiance And she basically tries to make herself as unattractive as possible to the point of inventing a fake taxidermy collection to try and get the hero to just be not attracted to her so that he'll just try and pull out of this marriage. And it was just such a fun challenge. And I love pushing myself um, as a writer with the tropes as well. So, yeah, I think I've used them to actually make me more creative instead of less creative. And that's an amazing book title, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I wish I could take credit for that think my editor came up with it.
0: <laughs> um, something else that I wanted to ask you about, Stephanie, was movies. Has there ever been interest in making your rom-coms into movies? Because they feel like just perfect for this new like Netflix resurgence of romantic comedy.
2: I had once a film agent reach out to my literary agent based on um, a blurb of a book, that, was, um, that we had sold that ended up in Publishers Weekly. But that's as far as it's gone. I would I would love, obviously, as all authors would, to have my books made into a movie. And I feel like I do have a couple that would translate well to the big screen, but uh, that's still on my, my checklist of things to achieve in my career.
0: <laughs> I just feel like, I mean, we've just talked about how much Americans love the Aussie accent and Aussie men. And yet a lot of the time when we export some Great people like the Hemsworth, they so often have American accents in their movies. I love that, ex- is it Extraction movie, where Chris actually has his real Aussie accent in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was great. I'm like, I am I feel like sometime in the next 10 years, filmmakers are going to realise that, like, these US-Aussie hybrid romances could be big bucks.
2: I agree. And I think that, there, wasn't there a rom-com with Liam Hemsworth and Rebel Wilson and they both had... Yes. I love they that Australian they both had accents. their accents
0: he had an American That's one right. when he was like not in the dream world and then it became Australian
2: <laughs> when she was like in her delusion <laughs> and I thought That's that was right. amazing <laughs> that made me so happy to see two Australians in like a big budget American romantic comedy like it was a, it was like a proud national moment for us I think <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was it was yeah we and need more
1: then- of that I concur Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I was going to say, what did it feel like as an American when you, hear, I, don't, I don't know if you've seen that movie or not, but when Liam first steps out of the car and then you hear the Aussie accent come out.
1: I have, yeah, I, I had forgotten about that. What, isn't it romantic? Is that, mm-hmm. yeah, am I yes, thinking of so the right one? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I had forgotten about that, but I do remember very much like the hot factor went up about 27 notches. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> So, yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So speaking of rom-coms, I'd love to know, Stephanie, what is maybe like your top three rom-coms that you love to watch or read or whatever format they come in? What's the ones that you love going back to again and again?
2: Oh, I think I don't know why, but Clueless will always be a classic for me. I think at one point in my life I could recite that entire movie line by line. I just Alicia Silverstone is a genius in that movie. I love it so much. <laughs> and then probably Legally Blonde, that's like the movie I used to watch if I was like not feeling well, because it always makes me feel good and it's super cheery. And then in terms of rom-com books, pretty much anything by Lauren Lane, I think she is a phenomenal writer and A lovely person and very, very intelligent. So, any book by her would get my tick of approval for that category. (laughs) Awesome! That sounds great. And I was supposed—I had
0: not watched *Legally Blonde* since I was fourteen, probably. And then recently, I have a much younger sister who's thirteen now, and I watched it with her during COVID lockdown. And then we did a podcast episode about it. And I had thought, given the long time gap, I was like, "Oh, a movie called *Legally Blonde*? I'm not sure this is going to hold up in 2020." And I
2: couldn't believe, I was like, this is a great movie. <laughs> it is. And it's so girl power as well. Like I just, I I love it for that. I think it's such a good movie. It's so iconic as well. Just everything about it is fabulous. Mm-hmm. It was very funny. It was great.
0: Um, and now I also wanted to chat to you about a fun fact that we found out when you were reading about you. Obviously, there is more to your life than just, Writing books and uh, loving rom coms and stuff. You have had a career in the corporate world in Melbourne. And Bethany and I were talking, and we realised the three of us have all worked in this very close same industry. Oh, really? <laughs> Which I thought was interesting. I currently work in Melbourne <laughs> at a bank, and Bethany's former life was at a
2: bank as well. <laughs> oh yeah. my god, that's hilarious!
1: <laughs> yeah. So we're really like, what is it? How how is that transition from banking to rom-com somehow it seems to work but yeah but yeah talk a little bit if you would just about um that big leap that you took stepping away from that corporate corporate world
2: it's funny you know I think uh, there was a point in my life when I so I have a a bachelor of business with a major in human resource management and I kind of got into I was a generalist for a while and then I got into L&D and then I was in in more in change management in the end Mm -hmm. and I thought that was going to be it for my whole life, that I would just be, and I was earning a very substantial income. I was doing very well in my career I kept getting promoted. And I was just not happy. Like I, there was just something about it that didn't satisfy me. And I, I had a great boss. I was extremely fortunate to work with a very great team. And I just, I think it was just, that it wasn't a very creative job and I'm just such a creative person that that part of me felt really stifled. And so that was kind of the reason that I started writing and I kept it a secret from everyone at work and didn't think it would really go anywhere. I mean, I never thought I would sell the first book that I ever wrote. It was just such a whirlwind. And then after we, after I'd been in that industry for a little while, my husband and I decided Um, to go overseas because he wanted to get some international experience for his career and I was like screw it I am not going back to an office and I worked (laughs) at a MAC cosmetics counter because I'm also a trained makeup artist and I worked retail cosmetics for a while while I kept writing and then when it got to a point that I had enough contracts I was able to quit that and go full-time but it was like I'm very grateful for my corporate career because I think it actually gave me a lot of really tangible skills that I use in my writing career, like I'm very self-starting and very motivated and organized and good at time management, and all of that came from that job.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And now, Bethany, what area of banking were you in when you worked in your banking job?
1: I was, um, I was vice president of operations mm-hmm. um, at a, um, a few branches of a bank, and um, yeah, I had started as a, I mean, very similar story in some ways um, to what Stephanie was saying. Uh, I had started, not this part, I had started as a teller and had worked up. And yeah, by the point that it was like, you look at my career on paper, this is what everybody's working towards. This is living the dream. As far as anyone would look at, um, you couldn't possibly want more. I, you know, literally there was not much elsewhere to go and yet miserable, same thing, just not happy, not fulfilled. And um yeah so it's it's something about just listening to yourself and knowing um knowing when you just can't keep doing that and it doesn't always make sense on paper but yeah so so I was yeah I was bank management at the end there
0: I think it's interesting to look at the the day jobs of different writers that I know and stuff too because they're still such a um a thread through our the different jobs and the different things we do in our lives. In addition to writing, you know, especially working in HR, you're reading people, you're, you know, you're mm-hmm. managing people and their decisions yeah. and their motivations and what drives them and their communications. And I mean, all that is stuff that we think about when creating characters, like what is going to motivate this person to change their behavior? Well, like that mm-hmm. is the, that is the job of change management.
2: <laughs> and Literally. Yeah. And community yeah. the communication element, I think, and doing her communications for her and my job was in the 10 I was in technology but I'm not a technologist and so I was kind of like the translator for all of this tech information and I've got to then disseminate that out to people who from all levels of banking from people in the branch to people in the offices and actually I think that learning how to take technical information and make it um, interesting and engaging and accessible to a wide audience is something that has actually really helped me in writing fiction.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is the exact job description of what my current job is. <laughs> and then I go Oh my gosh, I that's so funny. <laughs> well, maybe not exact. I'm not climbing the corporate ladder, but I'm the, I'm the person at the bottom of the ladder who's like writing the, the techie things and making them accessible. So. <laughs>
2: there you go, that's so funny. that's funny but
0: so fun to hear about all the different factors that you know swirl around in our brains and then these books
2: pop out I know it's kind of wild isn't it we just like (laughs) take literally nothing and turn it into an entire story it is it's very fun
0: um now Bethany uh before we start wrapping up and and asking Stephanie about where people can find her online do you have any burning questions to ask about um novels Australia Hemsworths any,
1: any important <laughs>
0: topic like that
1: all the important things <laughs> um, yeah well I would I want to go back to um, what we talked about at the beginning briefly with your you, uh, that just blows my mind so tell us a little bit I mean, we're so excited about Forever Starts Now. Tell us just some quick rundowns of what else is in the pipeline coming from you.
2: Oh, okay. I have a really exciting, it's a series that I'm just so jazzed about that's coming out next year. It's called Pause and the City. And the first book is The Dash Hound Prada. And it is oh. basically a retelling of The Devil Wears Prada if Miranda Priestly was a dash hound owned by a very hunky hermit. And he is known as
1: the hermit of Fifth Avenue. Mind blown, speechless. <laughs> how, how fabulous that is! Okay, amazing. Uh huh. Yeah, it's when, it's a when really. Come, sorry, I'm oh, sorry. When when can we? When when did you say that one will be coming out?
2: Oh, that, that one, one can... is going to be coming out in May next year, and it's a series okay. of um, three books at this stage. So I'm just about to start working on the second one.
1: Okay, and what is the second one? Can you tell us that? Because if it's is it anywhere near, I mean, if it's, I'm sorry, like I'm literally able to speak now. I'm so excited about that entire <laughs> room. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's um, so basically the That's whole amazing. series
2: is essentially following a woman that sets up a pet social media agency in New York. So they're all going to be kind of like pet themed romantic comedies in Manhattan. And the working title for the second one, I don't know if we'll keep it, um, but it is gentlemen preferred dogs and it's a like a marriage in trouble story and they're just super fun they're fluffy but it's got the feels in there as well and, and I love I'm such a dog person so I love putting animals into my stories.
1: love it love it love it um what <laughs> so do you have dogs
2: uh currently I do not have dogs because we were living in a place for a while here where we weren't allowed to have dogs so mm. now that we've moved that's definitely on the cards but my mom has two rescue chihuahuas which are like the funniest little creatures ever. So I um, consider myself like a pseudo pet mom.
1: Yes, definitely. (laughs) Well, those sound amazing and can't wait for those. Mm -hmm. I see you also have, oh, go ahead Jess, I'm sorry.
0: No, you keep going Bethany.
1: I was just gonna um, say, I also see that you have these holidays in the bluff stories coming up. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah so I've decided So originally The Patterson's Bluff was just one book and then it became two books and readers just seem to really love this fictional Australian town and so even though the publisher kind of wanted me to go in a bit of a different direction I made the decision that I wanted to keep writing in that world and so I've got two series starting um, in the next kind of six months or so and Holidays in the Bluff is going to be a whole series that is just different holiday books. So we're talking things like Christmas, New Year's, but also things like I'm going to write an international coffee day story because Melbourne, of course, I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so the whole series is going to be all of these um holiday books with people from Patterson's Bluff. And the first one is A Merry Aussie Christmas, and that's coming out in December.
1: Fantastic. So excited about all that.
2: And I feel like that book
0: will have lots of interesting things for the US readers because uh, I had an American housemate for a year. And so she was here during Christmas and her mind was blown that we have hot Christmases.
2: Yeah. And I, but that we also try really hard to keep cold weather traditions in a 40 yes. degree Celsius day. Like I'll British still burn and my marketing. cinnamon candle. Yeah, <laughs> so true. And we put fake snow on things, even though like most of us have never seen snow, which I find pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all the movies are about winter and you know we still have like stockings over the fireplace and yeah. it, there's just, but there is no fire in that fireplace because it is 40 degrees outside
2: and we are dying <laughs> heat it's so true and that we still have like we'll heat up the entire house cooking a roast lunch even yes. though it's just it's just ridiculously hot And I'll burn all of my cinnamon candles <laughs> yeah we do it every year
0: Uh, Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Um, So, Stephanie, if people want to find out more about you online to keep hearing more about these exciting new books coming out or to check out the 30 odd books that are already out, where can they hang out with you online
2: or on social media? Uh, best place to start is my website that has the details for everything. It's www.stephanie-london and that's Stephanie with an F because my parents hate me and they wanted to make my life difficult. <laughs> um, and I'm also on social media as Stephanie London, most active on Instagram and Facebook. Um, but pretty much anytime you need to catch me, my website, I've got a contact form there and also a link to my newsletter, which is where you'll get like most of the updates before Any of my books come out. So I would recommend starting there first. Mm
0: -hmm. And I see there's a free book on
2: there as well. There is, and it's set in Patterson's Bluff. So if you're interested in the uh, Aussie small town thing, yeah, you can go and grab a free book on my newsletter.
0: That sounds awesome. (laughs) Um, And Bethany, if people would like to hear more about you and uh, another fun rom com that's about to come out, Plot Twist, where can they find you online?
1: You can find me at cbethanywright.com, um, S-E-E, Bethany Wright, W-R-I-T-E dot com. Um, and that's pretty much what I am across social media as well. So, um, yeah. And I also, if you're here in the U.S., um, I'd love for you to text me. I love giving out this. Um, I've started texting phone texting with people so you can text me actually at 970-387-7811 um so yeah give me a text give me um check me out on social media I'd love to connect with you
0: that's awesome and I don't know about you Stephanie but I had just had a weird moment because I only ever hear american phone numbers in movies and they all start with 555 so that they're not real i forget <laughs> that real ones don't start with 555 <laughs> yeah their phone numbers are number like, like nine
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah their phone numbers are weird over here it took me a while to even remember my own phone number because I had way more like numbers that
1: I was yes, used to Yes, there's
2: more
0: numbers in it <laughs>
2: we don't have as many people so we don't need all those numbers
1: <laughs> it's true <laughs> well that's something I never would have thought about that's hilarious <laughs> And yeah, the 555 is legendary. It's just like, doesn't matter where you live in the country, in a movie, your number is 555. That's, you know, that's realistic. We'll go with that. (laughs) I didn't know that. Oh, fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's one of the few sets of numbers that aren't real numbers. So it is used in every form of entertainment here in the US as fake numbers so that no one calls.
0: Mm, i think in the first movies they had people calling and it was a problem so they were like we need we need standard fake numbers
2: oh my goodness
1: yep Yep.
0: Um, and if you want to find me online or the McLeods Daughters Podcast, you can find the podcast at McLeods Pod on social media. You can find me at Jessica Kate Writing on Facebook and Instagram, or JessicaKateWriting.com is my website where you can learn more about more Australian small towns. Girls Guide to the Outback is one book. Uh, there's some free short romances on there too, like a kiss there So check it out. Um, and I mean people are just gonna be swimming in romantic comedies between the three of us for the next foreseeable future. Okay. Right. Excellent. well thanks so much for your time today stephanie and podcasters we will see you later on with a normal episode of mcleod's daughter's podcast <laughs> bye 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 thanks for having bye. me hey everybody here is another random thing to end our random episode um I am hosting a watch party this weekend uh, for the Aussies, it will be Saturday morning, for the Americans it will be Friday night, because Hallmark Channel has just released what I think is actually their first Aussie uh, romance. And so I am having a watch party with the Teleparty app, so we can all watch it uh, on Netflix together at the same time and we can tweet live about the movie and we can talk about Aussie facts, behind the scenes stuff about the movie that I have randomly sourced from the internet and just general fun. And it's also a cool chance I think it would be pretty awesome if Hallmark Channel could keep on making these Aussie movies. So we're going to send them some tweets all together about that and it's going to be lots of fun and we may even sneak in a little sneaky reference to my book of Girls Go to the Outback because it'd be pretty cool if they used that one. Uh, so if you would like to join us for this fun watch party um, for the Aussies it's happening at 10am Australian Eastern Standard Time on Saturday and there is a Facebook event uh, which you can find on my page at Jessica Kate Writing, uh on Facebook, obviously. Instagram, there is a link in my bio to it. Um, and if you join that, I will be posting the link. You can't create the link ahead of time, so I'll be posting the link to the watch party in there on the day. And uh, it's going to be buckets of fun. And for the Americans, it will be at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time on Friday night. So mark it in your calendars and hopefully I will see you there to all watch the Hearts Down Under together. Bye-bye. Hey, guys, just wanted to say a quick thank you to composer Bobby Abbott for our theme song. If you want to check out more about him, then you can go to Bobby Abbott Music on Facebook and that's Abbott with two Bs and two Ts. See you all next time.